Good morning, and welcome to Midpoint Wednesday. I'm Shelley Reback, your host for WMNF's Mid-Florida, Midweek, and Mid-Morning Dose of News and Public Affairs with a Local Perspective. You are listening to WMNF 88.5 and WMNF.org, Tampa Bay's only independent radio, brought to you by you because we are supported by our generous listeners who keep our programming completely commercial-free 24-7. We welcome you to join our conversation during the live show by calling 813-239-9663, emailing dj at wmnf.org, or texting us at 813-433-0885. And we invite you to join our community in our Midpoint on WMNF Facebook group after the show to continue the conversation. Today, we are coming to you from what Governor DeSantis now calls Free Florida, but we know better, don't we? In his Free Florida, up is down and cold is hot and free is just the way DeSantis describes his brand of fascism. You now are free not to make any important decisions for yourself because the DeSantis regime will make them all for you. If you're a regular listener of this show, then you know that we've explored many of the ways the DeSantis administration has invaded our rights and suppressed our speech, and there are so many that these shows just go on and on. We've done a whole season of shows just discussing the extraordinary and myriad ways that DeSantis has chipped away at our actual freedoms and all but replaced our democracy with the imperial edicts of King Ronald. Now, with his unconstitutional 15-week abortion ban, women have less freedom to manage their own health care. Our teachers are no longer trusted and respected enough to freely teach accurate history. That's been replaced by a civics curriculum filled with propaganda. And now, that is to be taught by a cadre of honorable but totally unqualified military veterans and spouses who are being drafted to fill our overwhelming school staffing needs. With no regard for the quality of our public education, Florida kids are free to be stupid now. Under the aegis of parents' rights, parents are no longer free to decide what books their own kids can read in school libraries because the king and his lackeys, like Moms for Liberty, have decreed that they will decide what reading material is acceptable for all kids, even when other parents disagree. Heads they win, tails you lose, rules the day in free Florida. Now... Local governments are prohibited from making laws in their communities on everything from single-use plastics to protecting our trees. All of those local regulations have been preempted by Tallahassee. You're free to be sunburnt and drowning in styrofoam now. And if you want to change things with your vote, well, good luck. There have been so many voter suppression laws passed by the Republican-controlled legislature recently that it's clear... They want you not to bother even casting your ballot. In an unprecedented display of fealty to their king, the Republican legislators just rolled over and played dead when DeSantis indicated he didn't think the legislature's own gerrymandering went far enough. He demanded they approve his own redistricting maps, and so they did, making it even harder to maintain a functioning democracy in Florida and easier for the Republican leadership to stay in power forever. And in the most blatant demonstration of raw, brute political force to date, 
King Ronald rode into Tampa last week, escorted by that Judas, Chad Cronister, and the two horsemen of the apocalypse, Grady Judd and Chris Nacco, two sheriffs from distant counties, to depose our own elected progressive state attorney, Andrew Warren, solely because Warren dared to criticize the king. It was a successful little mini-coup, so far anyway. But just this morning, Andrew has filed a lawsuit challenging his removal. So we'll have to see what happens with that. But with Warren's surprise suspension from office and the immediate installation of a loyalist pretend state attorney to do his bidding, King DeSantis totally disenfranchised the majority of the voters of Hillsborough County who elected Warren not once but twice. Yesterday, Ron DeSantis said, quote, Florida is where woke goes to die, close quote. All this crazy rhetoric is very dispiriting, and the serious restrictions that accompany it are frightening. It's enough to knock the wind out of the sails of good government activists and democracy crusaders like me. But then along comes a spark of resistance, a little flame of defiance, a David facing Goliath, and then, well, hope springs eternal. That's what we have for you today, that spark of resistance, that flame of defiance, our own Davids, in the form of two local businesses and their lawyer who said, enough, and filed a lawsuit against the Stop Woke Law to demand the right to manage their own businesses and to communicate with their employees as they see fit, including in their communications to promote diversity, equity, and inclusion in their business and in their larger corporate community. So I want to welcome Sarah Margulis, CEO and co-founder of the wedding registry Honey Fund, a Pinellas County-based wedding registry company, which you may have seen as a winner on Shark Tank a few years ago. Welcome, Sarah. You with us? Thank you, Shelley. I'm here. Okay, great. Speak up so we can all hear you. I also disclose that uh, Sarah is my former cousin-in-law, so I am brushed with greatness, and this lawsuit holds some special interest for me. And in a few minutes, Antonio McBroom will join us. Antonio is the CEO of Primo Tampa, a 100% black-owned franchise of Ben & Jerry's Scoop Shops in the Tampa Bay area. I also want to welcome their lawyer, Shalini Agarwal, from the D.C.-based Protect Democracy Project. I'm happy to have you here, Shalini. You with us? Thanks so much, Shelly. Yes, I am. Great. Uh, everyone is appearing on air today via audio on Zoom, so bear with us as we try not to talk over each other. You're listening to WMNF Radio 88.5 FM, and we're talking with the representatives of two Florida businesses about freedom of speech in light of the new Stop Woke laws that went into effect last month. You can join our conversation by calling us at 813-239-9663, email dj at wmnf.org, or text 813-433-0885. Let me start with Sarah Margulis from Honey Fund. You and Antonio recently wrote a terrific op-ed in the Miami Herald, uh, but unfortunately it was published the same day that DeSantis made his surprise trip to Tampa to depose our state attorney. So your op-ed didn't get the attention it really deserved in Tampa. So tell us, what prompted you to initiate this lawsuit? So when the Stop Woke Act came to my attention a few months ago, it was clear to me that this was going to 
have a real impact on my business. So Honeyfund is a place where we employ people of lots of diverse backgrounds. We care about advancing women in leadership roles, which we know is um, a profitable move based on research out of McKinsey and other, you know, really um, credible business research research labs. And we also really saw that this was going to mean more attorneys' fees, more time spent developing our diversity programs, just to make sure that we didn't overstep this so-called Stop Woke Act. And so we just we started speaking out against it. And um, soon enough, we had heard from Shalini and her team, and you know, we decided to go ahead and file the challenge. So, Shalini, um, how did, how did you and uh, the Protect Democracy Project come to be involved with uh, Sarah in this case? Um, well, we reached out to a number of businesses after we heard about the law. And there have been a number of these types of laws around the country. Florida's goes the furthest uh, in terms of targeting, you know, not just, I mean, there's plenty of these, you know, anti-CRT uh, critical race theory bans in schools, which Florida does as well. Uh, but this this in Florida, we've also tried to prohibit speech of private employers, which is really it's extraordinary, kind of isn't it? It's I mean it's 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 like blatantly unconstitutional. The First Amendment just does not allow that. Uh, you know, that the government should say, okay, employer, you want to say a certain kind of thing to your employee, I will not let you do that. Like we don't allow those types of speech codes. Our constitutional system doesn't allow it, but that is what actually passed here. So it's that- extraordinary that we pay our tax dollars uh, to go toward a, a legal department for the state of Florida that permits things like this to go forward as political stunts for the governor. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's costing us, the taxpayers, money um, to defend this lawsuit that you've um, filed, as you should. Uh, because it's blatantly um, against the First Amendment. But I should let you tell us. Tell us about the lawsuit. Oh, sure. So the lawsuit, um, sorry, you were asking about how it is that we uh, got in touch with with Sarah and Honey Fund. So we had reached out to several businesses uh, in Florida, actually around the country, because the law doesn't just affect businesses that are in Florida, but affects businesses that have any operations in Florida and, and are of a certain size. So it has a really broad impact. Um, and a lot of companies were just kind of scared to move forward because they'd seen how um, how much retribution, uh, political retribution they could expect from the governor. After right, seeing, like, uh, hello, Disney, <coughs> right? Yeah, Disney, <laughs> the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, right. you know, there have been a number of, of instances. Uh, and so we're so thankful that Honey Fund and Primo Tampa agree to to step up and you know public publicly combat the suit because you know effectively they are making themselves known targets. as targets. targets, right? Let's be honest. And, I mean that's that shouldn't be what happens in again a democratic you know republic, but that is that's that's kind of where we are, and that's one of the, the arguments we've been making is that this this type of um, retributive politics just uh it should not be how how we operate but that private employers should be able to speak without fear of being you know uh, punished by their governor yeah it's a fundamental tenet of the first amendment that government shall make no law (laughs) to restrict your speech 
um, uh, you know, with few exceptions. And so, as I understand it, that's pretty much the heart of your lawsuit. Am I right? That's right. Yeah. The kinds of speech can restrict are like, if you can't, you know, shout fire in a crowded right. theater, so there's going to be physical harm to someone. But the idea that if you say, you know, implicit bias exists and you cannot communicate that to your employees, but if you were to say, oh, no, implicit bias, it's not really a thing, uh, that that would be permissible. Like one of those versions is permissible and one is not. That is where we're really getting into policing people's views that, you know, should not be permitted. Now, if if I understand it correctly, you also say that the law is too vague to be enforced fairly. So what kinds of things might or might not be covered by the law? And when people are unsure of whether their speech is permitted or not, don't they just tend to stay quiet and feel like they can't speak? And, and isn't that the essence of a government chilling speech. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, the kinds of, of concepts that are listed as prohibited include implicit bias, um, white or male privilege, uh, the notion that colorblindness uh, or merit is anything other than, you know, um, neutral and fair. Wait, you, um, wait, wait, or- back up. You can't talk about male privilege? <laughs> <laughs> you cannot... You cannot advance that concept to your employees. You cannot suggest that that's such a thing that exists. You cannot male privilege, white privilege. You can't. You can't suggest that that's those are things that exist in free Florida. Well, you can't advance the concept, but then the law goes on to say, however, you're not prohibited from discussing these so long as you don't endorse these concepts. So (laughs) that makes it incredibly confusing for anyone to know how they can actually talk about, you know, issues like privilege um, or bias in the workplace. That's insane. It's insane. I mean, uh, what is an endorsement anyway, you know, to suggest that uh, that male privilege or white privilege might exist is an endorsement of it? I mean... Well, what about just citing some facts from research that's been done that shows that you know, when you have more women on a corporate board, the company's more profitable. Is that citing those facts and showing that to be, you know, empirically true? Is that advancing the concept? Good question. Good question. Apparently in free Florida, you're not allowed to do that, Sarah. So you just put yourself at risk right now. (laughs) In fact, we all are, I suppose. Um, I mean, we're a nonprofit here at WMNF, but you know, we certainly talk about those issues. I've been talking about these issues around the stop woke law for months and months and months on this on this show. Um, so, um, but fortunately, the governor I don't think can swoop in and and <laughs> you know remove me off the air the way they did to Andrew. But you know, anything could happen. Sorry, let me just clarify. I want to just clarify one thing um, that when so the law targets employer speech that's mandated like mandatory trainings or mandatory speech to their employees. So like if an employee has to be in a meeting and then the employer says something, that's the kind of speech that's covered. So kind of, you know, your speech on the air or that might be targeted by a different law, but that's not covered by the stuff. Okay. Well, you know, a friend of mine who works for a company that's based elsewhere, but has uh, operations in Florida told me recently that due to the stop woke law, 
all of their diversity, equity, and inclusion training has now been made voluntary. Yeah, I'm not surprised to hear that. Um, our, we have a diversity, equity, and inclusion trainer who is one of the plaintiffs in our lawsuit, Shavara Oren, and she's she works with a lot of you know national and multinational corporations, and many of them have had similar types of changes to their policies because they're not sure how to how to proceed with mandatory trainings. And you know, when when those DEI trainings are made voluntary, then often the employer is not reaching the people that they need to reach. Right. <laughs> and so it does not, it's not nearly as effective right. um, in terms of creating a healthy work environment for everyone. Yeah. And, you know, I guess it, it's a, appropriate to ask, why is it so important to train employees about diversity, equity, and inclusion? And why is that type of DEI training essential for private businesses? What does it do for yeah. our company, Sarah? Maybe you can speak to that. So Honey Fund, we value diversity for many reasons. Um, first and foremost, the people that use Honey Fund are, are diverse, you know, people across the world, mostly Americans who live in all different states, uh, come from all backgrounds, races, religions, um, sexual orientations, sexual expression. And, you know, marriage is something that um, is to be celebrated. It's a moment of expressing love in the world. And we would we would never want to do anything to step on someone's, you know, celebration. It's, it's, it's who we are at our core that we help couples take their dream honeymoon with the support of their friends and family and really feel loved on their, on their big day. So, you know, understanding our, who our members are, first and foremost, is, is one reason why we need to be able to deliver DEI training. Um, there are people that we employ from all over the country. You know, we were a 100% remote company. They come from different places in the world. They may have had different, you know, education and upbringing when it comes to diversity. And so we want to make sure everybody's on the same page about who, who it is that we're serving. Secondly, um, we've seen the impact of advancing women in business across this country. Um, like I said, there's lots of big outfits like McKinsey that are publishing papers all the time about the, the business benefits. I'm not talking about feel-good stuff. I'm talking about bottom-line profits. And you know, when it comes to business, that's why we're here. And Honey Fund moved from California to Florida in 2017 to take advantage of a business-friendly state. And so it feels like with this law, Florida is really making a decision to make it harder for business to make money and ignoring the science around why diversity is important in the leadership team across a business um, and its employee base. And so we're asking Florida to choose a lane. Are you business friendly or are you not business friendly? That's a good way to put it. Uh, listeners, you are on WMNF Radio 88.5, and we're talking with representatives of Florida businesses about their freedom of speech in light of the new Stop Woke laws that went into effect last month. We'd like you to give us a call and tell us, do you have diversity, equity, and inclusion training at your uh, employment? Uh, what do you think about it? Is it of value to you um, as an employee? And uh, have you noticed any changes at your work? workplace uh, since the Stop Woke law has gone into effect in July. Um, you can join our conversation by calling us at 813-239-9663. You can email us at dj at wmnf.org or you can text us at 813-433-0885 and join this conversation. Um, Shalini, what is the status of the lawsuit right now as of today? 
Well, we've moved for a preliminary injunction, which is basically to say that the, the law should be put on hold because it's likely unconstitutional. You do that at the outset of a case so that while the case is continuing to trial, the plaintiffs don't have to continue to operate under an unconstitutional law. Um, and so we had an argument before the judge just last week, and we're hopefully expecting a decision in the next week or two. Now that's uh, Judge Mark Walker of the Northern District of Florida Federal Court up in Tallahassee, right? That's right. And Judge Walker, because he is the federal district court judge in Tallahassee, gets a lot of these type of suits challenging uh, the government on constitutional grounds. Um, he had the uh, education stop uh, woke lawsuit. He had the mask mandate uh, lawsuit during the COVID restrictions. He had a number of, of, of cases like this. And he's proven to be pretty, um, pretty open to these type of arguments. What was your sense of, of how you were received um, in court when you made the argument for the preliminary injunction? Uh, I don't want to prognosticate, but I do think that this law is is so blatantly unconstitutional, <laughs> like it's so clearly violates the First Amendment that, you know, it, it will be hard for, I think, um, most judges to say, oh, yeah, you know, the First Amendment is OK for the government to, to, to come in and tell businesses, no, you, you, you can't talk to your employees about these concepts. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, the bigger risk, I think, is once you leave the Northern District of Florida and Judge Walker's court, and get into the 11th Circuit, which has not been so hospitable to these type of claims? Well, I mean, I think that actually, even in the 11th Circuit, the First Amendment jurisprudence in terms of what employers can say to their employees is um, is, is pretty good. So we're, we're hopeful that, you know, this is such a core value that judges, no matter who they were appointed by, um, will be hopefully see the case our way. Oh, we can hope springs eternal, as I said earlier. Um, <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> let me ask you both. Um, why is it these relatively small private companies and not the giants in Florida, like Disney, for example, who are bringing these kind of claims uh, in this lawsuit when it seems so clear that the law is unconstitutional? Do you think it's because Disney can't afford to alienate the Republican legislature since they have so much more at stake. I mean, it's they have been, um, you know, kicked around uh, by DeSantis quite a bit for what he calls their woke uh, status, their grooming, their um, he's you know threatened their special tax authority um, and uh, has tried to take that away. I mean, is is that? why that they've been reluctant to be the ones leading the charge against this type of of law? I think that a lot of companies have um, a view that there's, you know, a certain amount of political capital or speech capital maybe that they want to spend uh, and, you know, feel like once that is filled up, like we, you know, Disney for Disney, uh, this is me just speculating, but I, I, I imagine that, you know, that they invested a lot in uh, opposing the, the, the don't say gay bill um, and, you know, maybe feel like they don't have it in their bandwidth to extend further. That's my impression. But I, I think that that's, that's a 
pretty big mistake for for companies not to to recognize that when governments overstep in this way and kind of trample on on their First Amendment rights, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a really hostile environment for them to be able to operate in. And and they are an independent institution uh, that, you know, has a voice and, and should exercise it. Yeah, you know, I mean, I've been shouting from the rooftops that in Florida today, it feels like Germany in 1933. And I don't, I don't think that that's hyperbole. I really don't. I mean, others may disagree with me and think I'm overreacting, but I, I don't, I really don't think so. I mean, I think what we see DeSantis doing with all of these very heavy handed restrictive laws and policies is, um, you know, chipping away at our freedoms little by little by little until people begin to believe that that they they don't have those freedoms anymore or that they're under such threat that they become intimidated. And the big companies like Disney, for example, um, you know, who don't step up, um, I, I think it's tragic, really. And I'm, you know, grateful to companies like Honey Fund and Primo Tampa for actually stepping up and challenging the king. I think it's it's so important Um because little by little, you know, we are losing ground here in Florida, um, and all at the all at the um, you know the expense of what is going to be DeSantis's presidential campaign for twenty twenty four, and we see what kind of a leader he would be for this nation uh, were he allowed to you know be uh, elected president. Um, so I. I you know, I'm really concerned that these big private companies are not stepping up more, and I wish they were. Um, we have an email here from Karen who says, we have it at United Healthcare. I assume she means DEI training. We have it at United Healthcare, but we are worldwide, but I don't think it has ever been mandatory, um, although they do require masks in our office now. That's uh, an email from Karen and Dunedin. Thank you, Karen. Appreciate your um, remarks. So, uh, yeah, this is a, s- a similar kind of thing. You know, um, it's good for thee, but not for me. I'm, when the mask mandate came out, DeSantis was, of course, the first, one of the first, and certainly one of the loudest uh, governors to challenge uh, the mask mandate um, because he felt it inhibited free Florida. Um, but now he wants to dictate how private companies can speak to their employees and what values those private companies can make mandatory in the conduct of their business. I find that really, really ironic. Um, But thank you, uh, Karen. Uh, I have a phone call here from John in Bradenton I'm going to take. John, you're on the air. Hey, I listened to you a little bit about uh, 45 minutes ago, and then uh, your hate for DeSantis is so over the top, I can't even hardly believe it. I thought this must be a joke or something, but, you know. No joke. Who did you want to be, Governor uh, Gillum? Well, well, let's try to stay on topic, John. We're talking about the Stop Woke Law. Do you have some comments about that? Uh, The Stop Woke Law, it's, uh, well, what are you you teaching? You know, there's a brand new book out, and I hope they let it be in the library, but, uh, you know, the, uh, a lot of the books that were pulled were pulled in because they were very biased and really like brainwashing of the... Uh, 
Name one, John. Yeah, uh, I don't. I, I just say when when you have a when you can have, you name one book that you you're a, accusing no, of being biased? No, I don't. I, I don't. I depend on my. I depend on the, uh, the the people that allow these books to be in the schools to judge and make sure it's the right book. Well, I'm but old, you know I'm that's interesting kids, that you say that, John, because that's what's not happening anymore. Talking, you know, nobody's allowed to talk on your show. I noticed that my kids aren't in school, so I don't really don't follow that. Okay, if my kids were in school. They wouldn't have, my kids aren't going to get a shot. I, I won't let my grandchildren get a shot. That's the most stupidest thing. And the wokeness and the, uh, this, uh, I, I'm, I, my best man was a black man uh, over 35, 38 years ago. And I, the, I the racism is, is not isolated, but there is racism. They'll always be racist, but you got to just stand up and be yourself and not be racist. That's the problem. So, you know. Well, we certainly agree on that, John. We agree on that. You say everybody's racist. I hear that a lot from, uh, but mostly I hear black people say, and and that's like racist to me. When I hear uh, black people on uh, uh, reporters and stuff, and they talk about the, uh, uh, they sound racist to me. They're racist. Okay. Well, thank you for your comments. I'm going to bring Antonio McBroom into the conversation who just joined us because he is a black uh, man and owns a, um, a a bunch of Ben and Jerry scoop shop franchises and joined the lawsuit uh, so that he could talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion in his businesses. Are you with us, Antonio? Can you hear us? No? You can't hear us? I thought he was with us. No, Jessica? Okay, I apologize. Uh, let me take a call from uh, Ben in Tampa. Ben, you're on the air. Hey, morning. How are you guys doing? Okay, we're doing fine, and you're on the air. What do you have yeah, to say? I picked up the last 10 minutes, and you were talking about the uh, diversity classes and stuff like that and Fortune 500 companies. Personally, I kind of like them because being a white nationalist, Nothing goes and gets white nationalists like going and trying to identify straight white males as a problem for all of society's ills. You know, it just makes the... So wait, I, wait, 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 Ben, hold up, hold up. Are you saying you're a white nationalist and you like the diversity, equity, and inclusion training because it tells you where other white nationalists are? No, yeah, yeah, because it, it creates them. You you go and identify. So you feel that that's a recruitment tool for you and other white nationalists. It works to recruit white identity people. Oh, that's an interesting perspective. Say it's the white people that are causing the problems, and then everybody looks at that guy and it's like, wow, white unity. You just created it. Uh huh. Well, that's a really interesting perspective. Thanks for offering that to us, Ben. I guess uh, that's something that uh, the trainers should keep in mind uh, who yeah, offer that training. Done Thanks. Studies on it, and they're trying to tone it back because of it. Well, that's very interesting. Thank you for those comments. Uh, heads up there. Uh, Sarah. Um, yeah. and, uh, all right, we've got Clay from Land Lakes on the line. Clay, what do you have to offer us? Well, I, I don't know what you, the last two wacko callers, and I know we don't like to call people names, but I can't help myself. I, I'm a white guy, and, and I recognize the problems that we're having that come from institutionalized racism, that come from not teaching the truth in school, uh, you know, all these Issues and these people who don't want it to happen, 
I, I don't get them. I, it, they have to be uh, living in a state of denial, you know. And, and, and what he talked about, I think the one before the caller about your uh, dislike of DeSantis, he called it hate, but I don't think you hate anybody. Um, I'm not a hater, Clay. I know you're not. That's what I said. <laughs> no. Uh, I don't like DeSantis either. And, uh, and it's not about the choice of who else there might have been. It's the fact that DeSantis has proved himself to be someone who really doesn't care about the Florida Constitution, the U.S. Constitution, or any of our rights, um, and keeps talking about having local control when he's exerting state control over everything and his legislature. The only ones in Florida are Ron DeSantis and his administration and all those in the legislature support him. All right. Well, thank you for your comments, Clay. I appreciate hearing thank from you. Um, I, You know, we have an email here um, from Tom uh, who says, I'd like to hear a conservative define exactly what, quote, woke means. Great question. Uh-huh. Great question, Tom. Isn't that one of the points in your lawsuit, uh, Sarah, um, that, you know, it's impossible to define what you're not supposed to be doing or saying? Yeah, there's definitely an issue with the vagueness of the way the law is worded. Um, I think even the judge, Shawnee, correct me if I'm wrong, mentioned that, you know, a couple of the lines were hard for him to interpret and understand. And so how could we expect, you know, everyday business owners to not only understand them, but enact these um, unconstitutional laws? So, um, but I would like to kind of comment on the idea of a debate around, you know, quote, wokeness. Um, and, and how do conservatives view this? Um, my my 90-year-old grandfather called me um, several months ago after watching a segment on Fox News about, um, you know, the, the threat of, quote, threat of wokeness. And, um, you know, he wanted to know if his grandchildren were being taught um, critical race theory and other things like this in school in because Cal- he knows we live in California. And, um, you know, it, it really was enlightening for me to have that conversation with him because I was... You know, several of the callers have also, um, you know, sort of repeated a lot of the same things that I heard from him that day. And I think that we we really do have a problem with um, the way um, these debates are almost shaped just for outrage. Um, they're they're created by um, the media to to get people stirred up and to get people to vote for Republicans and. I really feel like that's that's just um, very disingenuous of our nation. It's it's not a debate that slavery was a thing. It's not a debate that, you know, the power has largely been held by white males for the history of our country, and that and it's not a debate that when we bring more voices to the table, uh, racially diverse people, gender diverse people, that we get better outcomes for businesses. So while while we may have some hurt feelings along the path of discovering all that. I think it's still really important for us to have these conversations and to shut them down. Like you said, Shelley, for political, you know, posturing is just to me, it's a, it's so blatantly against what we stand for as a democracy. Right. It's a media campaign. Oh, I, I'm yeah. told by Jessica, my producer, that Antonio McBroom has joined us now. Can you hear me, Antonio? No. Um, yeah. Um, I, I would like to bring you into the conversation. So as soon as you can hear me, uh, just speak up and we'll, uh, we'll bring you in. 
So, um, in the, hey, good morning. Oh, there you are. Okay, terrific. Thank you. Um, sorry you had to join us late, but I'm happy you're here. And we've been talking about your uh, lawsuit against the Stop Woke law that applies to private businesses. And so let me ask you, as I asked uh, Sarah earlier in the program, to give us briefly um, your, your position on the Stop Woke law and why you chose to become involved in this lawsuit um, when big companies like like Disney, for example, have not stepped up. Yeah. I mean, this one really hit home for me. Uh, as a black business owner, um, we've, we've been fortunate to be successful. And one of the reasons we continue to push forward and grow is, is at the core for equity. And uh, when I saw the, the, the language around this, this act, um, I felt like it was, it was really put in jeopardy you know, the, the, the core values and the core focus of my company. And uh, it felt it was, it was my position to, to voice those concerns and, and take a stand. Well, as I said to Sarah, we really appreciate um, you and uh, Honey Fund stepping up uh, to bring this challenge. I um, think it's so important uh, that we not take these things lying down. Um, I'm going to bring in, we have a number of callers backed up here. I'm asking you all to be patient. Um, I'm going to bring in Alan from Tampa. Um, what do you have to say, Alan? Hi, good morning, and I'm glad you brought me on. Thank you. I, um, I'm in my late 60s. I'm a white guy. I uh, lived in New York most of my life, and now I'm down here in Florida. And I was incensed by the caller who thinks that diversity meetings recruit white supremacists. I mean, it's people like that guy that make me ashamed to be a white guy. And I'm not ashamed of my white, my whiteness, I, and I have no problem with black. And I, I think that to deny that there's racism in this country, that there's been such disparities is ridiculous. I think that there are racist blacks that hate whites. I think there are racist whites that hate blacks. I think they're all minority in, in their group, thank God, they're, they're not the, the mainstream of people. I know I sometimes feel, I work for the county in an administrative position, and um, sometimes people come in and they think for a moment that I'm a police officer, which I'm not. And I sense sometimes among the black community that they are um, put off by me because they think I'm a police officer. And I sure can understand that. And, I, and I'm so pleased when I realize that they realize that's not me and that's not who I am. And, and I understand why there's tensions. And I think that only diversity training among all people could maybe bring that down to the minimums. I think there'll always be some. It's unfortunate because ignorant people pass it on to generations ahead. They, they interview ignorant people, bring other ignorant people, and that's just unfortunate, but we got to get that down. I mean, All right. Thank you. I appreciate your sentiments, Alan. Thank you for calling in. I'm going to give some other people a chance to comment, too. In fact, I have a new text message here I'd like to share. Um, this message says, as you can tell from your callers, 
many hateful people here in Florida. I know you're not a hater. Uh, DeSantis just has eyes on the White House. He's power hungry, like 45, who love to pander to people with gripes against people of color, women, LGBTQ, etc. 45 made them all more aggressive and outspoken as your first two callers demonstrated. It's interesting the one guy said, quote, I hope they let us read this book, close quote, that he likes. Just the fact that we have to hope that we will be allowed to read anything is ridiculous. We're not growing, we're going backwards. Is this what makes America great again? I don't want any part of it. Uh, great show, by the way. Uh, bye-bye. Okay, well, thank you, uh, Mr. Text Message or woman text messenger. I have Lynn from Sarasota on the line. Lynn, you're on the air. Let's keep it brief. Okay, well, in addition to, you know, um, there's a concerted effort to take over elections offices, public libraries, public schools, um, all of the institutions that are make dem- uh, democracy work. But also, a lot of people don't realize that Governor DeSantis, with taxpayer money, has formed a 400-person militia. And this is not the Florida National Guard, which also has 400 men. This is called the Florida Guard. and Oh, yeah, his private election army now he's got. Right. He, he paid $5,000 bonuses for people to come in from out of state. You know, from retired military or active military on whatever. And um, so now he says that this is for elections. How intimidating is that? There weren't any major elections Florida almost ever. Right. And, you know, with the removal of Andrew Warren, our elected state attorney, you have to really be... Uh Wondering, you know, we have a Democratic uh, supervisor of elections in Hillsborough County, and yeah, who's also a constitutional officer, the same as as our state attorney. And you have to wonder: is he is he safe? Is he safe from our governor? Um, I wonder about that. Anyway, thank you, Lynn. Well, we have a we have a Republican in Sarasota and Bradenton, and um, but he is beyond. He is not partisan. You can expect fairness and... Well, I don't think our supervisor of elections is partisan either. I think he's completely nonpartisan, but he is a registered Democrat. And so um, I think that's enough to make him a target. But anyway, thank you, Lynn. Thank you for calling. I'm going to move on. I appreciate you uh, giving us your thoughts. Um, I want to turn to Antonio and uh, Shalini for a moment and ask you, how do you think the stop woke law will affect recruitment of employees to your businesses? It's already severely hampered recruitment and retention of, of teachers in Florida, along with, you know, the relatively low pay of our Florida teachers, uh, because teachers are walking on eggshells with regard to what they are or are not allowed to say in class or post on the walls of their classrooms, because of this stop woke law you know we've we've heard of rainbow stickers and safe space stickers being removed from classrooms and recently we read of a a special ed teacher uh, who, who from the panhandle, I think, who was told to remove posters of black luminaries like Martin Luther King Jr. and Booker T. Washington from his classroom walls. Um, so Antonio or Shalini, uh, do you mean to tell me the state of Florida intends to tell private businesses like yours that it can't celebrate pride with its employees, for example, or uh, Martin Luther King Day? Um, I mean... I just find that in- crazy. Antonio, I'll let you take that one since it's 
you're dealing with that in the day-to-day in your business? Yeah. I mean, for us, I've, I've been working hard to curate a, a special group of, of developing leaders. And one of the things that differentiates our company is that we're a purpose-driven business. And that purpose is, is, is truly around um, correcting injustice and closing the equity gap in our society. And so, you know, to, to any, any effort that looks to mute my ability to be vocal and, and talk about that um, through recruiting and, and, and really a champion of a growth and learning journey uh, around anti-racism, uh, with with the leaders that I hire, uh, really jeopardizes my, my 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 ability to differentiate the company that I've created. Yeah, so, I see that. I can understand that. Uh, Shalini, an extension of that question would be: if Antonio uh, chose, f- for example, to uh, have a policy of only using, you know, contractors or vendors that had a certain percentage of minority or women employees, uh, would that be subject to the new laws restricting wokeness? So just to be clear, this law only affects what employers can say to their employees or what kind of diversity, equity, and inclusion trainings they can require them to attend. So Uh, it it wouldn't apply to if they had a policy that said, you know, we're going to hire vendors who have a, you know, 10% minority ownership in the company or something like that. That wouldn't be subject to it. That's right. This law would not impact that. Okay. That's our best understanding. Okay. I'm going to take a call from Fran from Largo. Fran, you're on the air. Let's make it oh, brief. thank you. Thank you. Uh, and I just want to uh, say something that should be obvious. Uh, shouldn't democracy guarantee uh, uh, people uh, freedom of choice like books and religion or businesses you patronize uh, or uh, who you vote for? That's just to name a few things. I mean that taking this, this is taking choices away from people, and it's just anti-democracy to me. That's, well, that's what I want to say. All right, thank you for your thank sentiments, you. Fran. Uh, you're in free Florida. Um, ironically, your freedoms are more restricted here than in many other places. Uh, let me take a call from Barbara. Barbara, you're on the air. Barbara in Tampa. Hi. 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 Hey, stop focus is stop education, stop intellect, stop free thinking, stop, uh, you know, being uh, what our country was based upon. And these people that are uh, trying to restrict what we think and what we can read and what we can know are just fascists. They don't believe in democracy at all. And they want us to be taken over like Hungary and you know, become a, a country run by one man, you know, forever because they think that, um, you know, they're better than everybody else, but they're, they're not interested in what this country was based upon and shame on them. Well, thank um, you, Barbara. I appreciate your sentiments. Thanks for calling in. Thanks. appreciate it. Um, I have Walter... Walter Smith is with us, host of the Sunday Forum on WMNF. Walter, thanks for tuning in. Thank you. Thank you very much. Listen, very quickly, um, a few years ago, uh, my father, Dr. Walter L. Smith, wrote a book called The Magnificent Twelve. It's the, it's the only recorded history of 
the 12 black community colleges that exist in the state of Florida. Now, the reason I'm bringing that up is because if you listen to the, the words of this foolish governor and the things that he's been doing, that type of history would be suppressed. And this is the type of thing that we're heading towards right now. And I have no problem mixing words about it or making it very clear. He is very Hitler-esque. There is, if that is such a word, but if it's not, let's coin it right now. He is Hitler-esque, and there is a real problem with what he is doing. Those are Gestapo tactics that he's headed towards right now, that, that militia, and we need to watch very carefully his moves from now on. All right, Walter, thank you for calling in. Appreciate your uh, comments. Thanks very much. Everybody, Walter has a show, the Sunday Forum, on uh, on Sunday on WMNF. So tune in and hear more from Walter there. Thanks, Walter. Um, I have a, a, an email um, from Janice who says, Thanks to those companies bringing the lawsuit. DeSantis and others like him peddle in manufactured victimhood and grievance for personal political gain because it is successful. Let's stop rewarding these repugnant strategies. Do not vote for those using grievance as a strategy. That's from Janice um, in Tampa. Thank you for writing in, Janice. Appreciate that. Um, so, uh, Shalini, if you win, and I don't, I don't see how you can lose <laughs> um, from a, an honest. Let's knock on wood on that one. <laughs> well, yeah, knock, I'm knocking wood, knocking wood. But, but uh, you know, what's the remedy for a First Amendment violation like your clients have claimed? Um, you know, what what would you what would be success in your lawsuit? Success would be the law getting struck down, an injunction saying this is unconstitutional and cannot be enforced in Florida. Okay. And so companies would be free to make DEI training mandatory and to say what they they felt was appropriate in that training. Right. Free enterprise would be actually free. That's right. Yeah, Free enterprise would be free <laughs> in free Florida. Okay. Sarah, is there anything um, I haven't asked you that you think it would be important for our listeners to hear or Antonio? Keep it brief, but... Have at it. I really just want to be able to run my business in Florida, um, you know, the way that we see fit, the way that we know is best. No, no Florida employer is trying to make white people feel bad in its DEI trainings. We're try- honestly trying to just make sure that, you know, the training happens, that people understand these concepts, that they're able to process them and make ch- different choices in their day-to-day, collaborating with their coworkers. And it's it's not rocket science and it's proven to work. So, All right. Um, let's- okay, Antonio, and you, is there anything uh, you haven't had a chance to say that you want to say briefly? I just truly appreciate the support for free enterprise and free speech. And uh, thanks for everybody for sharing this passion and being courageous enough to step up and speak out. Thank you. And I want to just tell our listeners that um, if you missed this terrific uh, op-ed piece that Sarah and Antonio uh, wrote and had published on August 5th, I believe, in the Miami Herald, I urge you to get on the internet and find it and read it. It's terrific. um, And it has a lot of information about uh, the lawsuit and why they chose to come forward and and challenge the law. So um, go to the Miami Herald for August 5th and, and find that op-ed piece by Sarah Margulis and Antonio McBroom. Um, 
I want to thank my guest, Sarah Margulis of Honey Fund, the wedding registry, and Antonio McBroom of Primo Tampa, which is a 100% black-owned franchise of Ben and Jerry's ice cream shops, and uh, their lawyer, Shalini Agarwal of the Protect Democracy Project, for joining us today to talk about these current issues surrounding freedom of speech in Florida since the Stop Woke Law went into effect. Um, these issues are really important, especially right now. We're in the middle of an election in Florida, and I hope that our listeners hold these issues at the forefront um, of their consciousness when they go in to, to vote. Um, if you joined us late in the show, feel free to go back and listen on demand from the Midpoint Archives at WMNF.org slash Midpoint or on the app or find us at WMNF Midpoint wherever you get your podcasts. I also want to thank our WMNF volunteers who make the show go, Jessica Green on the soundboard and Barbara Fling who answered our phones for us. And as always, I thank you, the WMNF listeners, for your interest and support of Midpoint. If you enjoyed this show, there's always time to hit the tip jar at WMNF.org slash donate. And please direct your donations to MPW Midpoint Wednesday. I want to also invite you all to join our new Facebook group, Midpoint Wednesday on WMNF, Midpoint on WMNF Facebook group. And uh, we welcome your comments. If you didn't get your phone call answered or your email read on the air during the live show, uh, go to the Facebook group now and um, talk to us there. Uh, we'll be monitoring that, and we'll be happy to to uh, to see you over there at Midpoint on WMNF on Facebook. Uh, please stay tuned for Talking Animals with Duncan Strauss, which is up next. And we are WMNF Tampa. Thank you all for listening.
July 